the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. So J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is uh, stepping out on his uh, wealthy leftist friends in Davos, ironically, where they convened last week. We talked about it a bit. You know, in the way that Diamond was uh, essentially, if we're to believe him, take him at face value, suggesting that uh, those who find Trump and Trump voters noxious should be a little bit more charitable uh, because Trump was right about a few things and his supporters like him because he was right about these few important things. Um, and one of the things that Diamond said was, um, well, about the the thing that is most roiling Americans right now, particularly in urban centers, and that is lawlessness at the border, open border policy of this administration, effectively. Here's what uh, JP, uh, uh, JP, Jamie Diamond had to say about that. Would you take the deal that the Republicans have put on the table, though, which is we want this border immigration policy as we've laid out and then we'll fund the rest? Would you rather take that than neither? I, don't, I have not read that deal in total, but I probably would take it. Yeah. We have to control the borders. Yeah. We need more merit-based uh, immigration. We need more seasonal immigration. We need more. Uh, we need uh, DACA have a place here. We need a path to citizenship. If you do not control the borders, you are going to destroy our country. And so I think the people who think that somehow this is okay, so now they're, you know, they're sending the, uh, immig- the migrants into New York and stuff like that. So all of my super liberal friends... Now they realize what a problem is. Did it, did it have to be that, you know, that we realize it? So we want to be, have a big heart for the, for the world, but we have to con- control a border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for more on uh, this topic and uh, related matters, we're pleased to be joined again by Chris Arnotti. He is a former financial services professional turned writer and photojournalist. Currently, uh, well, he, he circumnavigated the country right. and he, uh, put together this book, which is excellent, called Dignity, Seeking Respect in Back Row America. And uh, now I, he must be working on something more global because he's circumnavigating the globe. Chris Arnotti, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to you for having me. So, um, you know, Jamie Dimon may not be your favorite person. He's not mine either. But um, what about what he had to say, particularly in the sense trying to middle uh, the issue between his uh, super wealthy leftist friends and uh, the commoners? Um, you know, I mean, I think the, the, there is certainly a disconnect based on class on how you see the issue of immigration and how you see kind of reality of American life, you know, in terms of our cities. You know, um, if you're wealthy enough, um, you can really just basically escape um, the problems that our cities currently have because you don't ever really encounter them. 
you, you have, you know, effectively you live in a gated community, dormant building, let's say, or or out in the suburbs in a, in a large estate, um, and uh, you don't generally use public transportation, um, or you live downtown and, you know, you get everything delivered to you. So you, you generally do not <laughs> have to interact with the city in a way that most people have to interact in it, which, you know, as anybody in, um, you know, who, who has ridden uh, either New York City subways, L.A. buses, or in Chicago, the elevated, knows uh, is, is in rapid decline. Yeah, um, I know you recently were on the subway. This piece that you wrote at Unheard uh, coming back from Sofia, from Bulgaria, and um, just sort of the comparison contrast you had with uh, your experience in, in your, your experience in that space, public transportation, in Bulgaria versus in New York City. I mean, I think that's sort of instructive in terms of what's happening to big city America. Uh, can you describe that? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, in this particular case, I wrote about coming back from Bulgaria, but I can do it. You know, I, I come back into the New York City. I, I, flew, I, ex- I flew into Chicago um, coming from, uh, from uh, Korea um, uh, a few, few months ago. And the contrast is just, you know, it's jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. You know, Korea, um, Bulgaria are much poorer than the United States. We're a very wealthy country. And yet the experience of getting from downtown Sofia or downtown Seoul to the airport versus the experience of getting from O'Hare downtown Chicago. And then what happens once you're in downtown is just it's night and day. You know, you, I, you know, I. I, you know, being on the, I think it's a blue line that goes from O'Hara downtown. Yes. Is yeah. that the one? Yep. yep. Um, How was that? You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I end up making friends because I'm generally a friendly guy, but, you know, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of other people would have been scared by the situation. Um, you know, you're, you're having people who are basically passed out using the, 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 it as a, as a, home, as a effectively a mobile homeless shelter. Um, you know, it, it was filthy. Um, and that's true in L.A. That's true in um, New York City. Um, and not only is it filthy, but the actual, you know, the actual process of getting onto the elevated, going downtown is just—it's just so much less uh, efficient. And, and then once you're downtown, <laughs> then you have to worry about uh, your safety. Um, I happen not to be someone who worries much about my safety. I'm a pretty large guy who knows how to navigate these spaces. But, you know, God help you if you're a single single female and you just basically want to kind of, you know, take the elevated mohair down downtown at like 930 at night. Mm-hmm. It's just simply dangerous. Right. And then getting back to the to O'Hare Airport, what was that experience like? Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that, took you of, that took a lot of effort. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I don't Uber. That's one of my rules. Um, I, I, I did a um, I did a bus to a, a train because I was actually down further south in Chicago. But the entire process. I mean, you know, what I what I wrote about is that the U.S. just simply doesn't have nice things. Like we, we our cities are, are are gross relative to the rest of the world, and that's really, you know, given how wealthy we are, that's just simply shocking. And you don't really notice it. I mean, I understand a lot of your listeners notice it on a daily basis, but you don't see, you don't really understand how how re, how disgusting it is, how um, offensive it is until you go somewhere else that is much poorer than us and come back. Then you face you like, oh, 
basically, what are we doing here? Well, well, we're right. I mean, it's, it's you know, these things that have become sort of um, um, you know, they've gone viral, I guess, for lack of a better description. Um, the like the fecal map of San Francisco, this you know beautiful city, and this is what residents are dealing with. You can have a three or five million dollar place, and you're still walking out to homelessness and uh, um, and all of the uh, earmarks of it. Uh, New York City, the same thing. Uh, story over the weekend, I think it was in the Post about um, uh, human waste in styrofoam cups and parks and right. and elsewhere, and and and. The interesting thing you write about, too, and I just want you to develop this, is this is what happens in high-regulation, low-trust uh, regions, cities. And you say, well, well, the Western, you know, Western Europe or even the developing world, there's a, they have a lot of high-regulation. They're high-regulation societies, too, but they're higher-trust societies. Why does that uh, delta on trust if regulation is constant matter? I mean, you know, because like I simply, you know, I tell people the, if the state, if the government is a sole decider of what is right and wrong, then th their job is effectively Im almost impossible. Right? You, 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 you have to make you have to make assumptions that certain you can't assume the worst about everybody when you design a product. Right. You can't think about what's the worst thing that someone's going to do and then have someone do it. You're not going to build anything if, if you're always worried about somebody, you know, just coming in and messing it up. Um, you know, there is a sense of social responsibility to the community. Most Europeans or Germans have, or most certainly in, in Japan, that's the case, where you don't need a policeman to sit around and watch you, you know, they, because people simply will not behave in a way that is antisocial. They just know, you know they, they were raised not to do that. Their family will scold them. Their neighbors will scold them. There is a sense of shame that comes with erratic behavior, antisocial behavior. And, we, and in the United States, we have no sense of shame about being, you know, I think we need to shame people for being, you know, basically for being antisocial. Mm. You know, one of the most amazing things in Japan is they have 7-Elevens in Japan. That's their big thing. Uh, and in front of their 7-Elevens, they have something called a grab-and-go. It's literally in front of the 7-Eleven. It's outside, and it's basically two cans of beer and maybe chips. Now, can you imagine if you had bags <laughs> with two, two cans of beers and chips called grab-and-go outside of 7-Elevens in the United States? And they would literally grab-and-go. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't pay. People, yeah. people do not do that in these societies. They simply do not do that because they know that's not the proper behavior. And you can't... Now, I understand people say, why don't police just enforce the rules? I agree police should enforce the rules that exist. But you're asking the police, you're putting the police in an almost impossible spot when they have to, they have to check people's behavior at every level. Where is the family? You know? Where is people's sense of just being a decent citizen tells them not to do these certain things that people do? And we right. don't have that in the U.S. as to the degree we used to have it when I was uh, younger or to the degree they have it in other countries. This is, I mean, this it's this is a social contract, and there's a lot of different philosophical uh, versions of it, but it's it's something that all of the great philosophers understood. This is this is it, 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 integral to a stable society is a social contract. That yes, there will be some enforcement by the state, but it is really mainly meant among what what does one 
citizen owe the other, and and that's what you're talking about. That's what's deteriorating. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's deteriorated in the U.S. to except now. I understand that you know there there is a part there's a version of that that will frustrate the right, um, which says that you know part of the problem is people people want too much freedom, you know, the freedom to do whatever they do, do anything, including aberrant behavior, um, you know, antisocial behavior, and but. You know, it's also much more of a thing on the left where this idea that you, you, you be you, you do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do is valid, whatever you want to do is just, whatever you want to do is moral. You decide your own moral code. Um, and that's the problem in the U.S. is we have a sense of I can do whatever I want. Let my freak, freak flag fly. Yeah. That, that includes, you know, you know, suffocating uh, on the subway. So be it. You know, I mean, and the thing is, is. I happen to have, um, probably to a, relative to a lot of your listeners, a lot of um, empathy with the homeless. I, I've spent a lot of time working in that community and working with them. We have a mental illness and an addiction problem in the United States, and I, I, I'm relatively empathetic with those who are experiencing this, this, this situation. But at the same time, you cannot – we're doing them a great injustice too – by letting them sleep in subways, which will, which is going to guarantee bad interactions. You know, you're talking about people who are also mentally unstable, physically, physically, and um, and you know, emotionally in in, in in chaos. And you're putting them in tight spaces with lots of strangers. It's just a guarantee that bad things are going to happen. So it's not fair to the homeless um, to do this. To, to let them kind of wander anywhere. So I, I, it's very frustrating to me, the situation we find ourselves in in the United States. You're describing the Daniel Penny incident, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, you know that's, just, that, that's, a, that, that's just the way situation should have never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I don't know all the details of that case. I, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but that's, that situation should not have happened. Well, there's something else, too. I mean, and you, you mentioned at the outset, we're much wealthier. I mean, what's New York City's GDP as compared to the entire country of Bulgaria? And so it's got to be a multiple. And, and so what do we do? Um, sort of like what we do with government schools. Um, as, as Peace and Reason magazine uh, last week, $61,000 is the yearly per tent cost, per tent cost of sleep, of quote-unquote safe sleeping villages in San Francisco, Thirty-four grand in Portland, Oregon, almost thirty grand uh, in in San Diego, where they have a four hundred tent s- safe sleeping site, and so on and so forth. And so, it's it, I mean, the conversation about uh, homeless or mental health, with respect to me, uh, even though I'm a conservative, is sort of like with uh, government schools. I mean, I, I'm 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 open-minded on the cost. If you can tell me this amount of money will produce this result that we all want, but. But we don't have that uh, in these big urban centers and actually a lot of suburban areas, too. We have just throw more money at it because monies we have and results is what we lack. But throwing more money at it gets me off the hook that we're doing something, even if that something is not moving the needle in a productive fashion. I mean, part of the problem also is that certainly in, in California, New York, is, there is this is what goes to the regulation. If you want to build a new building or yeah. a new apartment, or I mean, you just can't. The the amount of impact studies you have to do, 
get it to, to build anything in the United States uh, is, is, you know, much less you run into neighborhood associations. You know, I don't want a new building going up you know, four blocks from me because it's going to change my view, that sort of thing. Those one person can hold up or one interest group can hold up any new product. So in general, we have a problem of, of uh, kind of a, lo- a low growth mentality in the U.S. in terms of infrastructure because we just – we environmentally impact – study impact it to death, so nothing ends up getting built. So that's why when you say you know, Southern California, that's why you, you look at the cost you know, building kind of shelters. It's just absurd because of the bureaucratic red tape. Now, I'll go one devil, level deeper. You know, even if – had, you know, a lot of people say the problem is we just need more homes, and I, I agree we should be more pro-growth in terms of building. But I also say, you know, the product it goes back to the low trust. You can put, you know, people who have this pro- these problems, you know, you know these addictions or uh, or mental health, mental illness into a home. That's not going to stop a lot of the erratic behavior. But it's, it's not, and not it's not just confined to the homeless. You know, the idea that you can do whatever you want public spaces goes goes beyond just people who are living on the streets this, it kind of infects a lot of people's mentality that they they don't have to behave you know in public spaces in, in a way that 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 you know works well for the larger community so and that's you know that's effectively a family thing like why you know you know you, you, people need to feel a sense of like my parents would be embarrassed if I did that, <laughs> but a lot of people mm-hmm. do, do not have parents who, who 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 raise their children in a way that they feel it, or have the parents where you know yeah. the family the, needs to be right. Sorry, so it goes like when the, yeah. when, the, when the state like yeah, it goes back when the state is the sole person who tells you what's right and wrong. It's, it's an impossible task. Yeah, and it it, it becomes. <laughs> if, it used to be right. Don't do anything that you wouldn't want on the six o'clock news. But the attitude now is, I don't care if it's on the six o'clock no, news. They want it on the six. They want <laughs> yeah. to go viral. Yeah, That's the uh, thing. Our culture's Chris Ar- changing. Chris Arnotti is a writer and uh, photographer. He's currently circumambulating the world. That's a long walk. He's also the author of Dignity: Seeking Respect in Back Row America. Chris Arnotti, thanks so much for joining us again. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.